Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about finding your roots, looking up your family tree. In recent years, it has become very critical to not only track your family tree, to know your ancestors and family culture, but it is important knowing your family history to manage your health and well-being. Joining us is Miss Stacy Agger, a trustee for the Ohio Genealogical Society and a member of the Board of Directors for Mahoning Valley Historical Society. She will discuss her success in finding her roots and give us tips on ways that we can do the same. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. How are you, Dee? Hi, Vicki. How are you? I am good. You are good. It is sunny. I love it when it's always sunny. What about you? I know, but you know, we've had a little bit of rain, but I guess people say we need it. I guess we do, and we've been having... Those very hot and humid weather, too, don't you think? Right. But it's all good, you know. It's all good because people don't understand there's going to be eight feet of snow in about eight weeks. Oh, wow. Now that you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, you know, when they're talking about these kids going back to school, it's, the, it's almost over. Some kids are going back to school August the 15th. If they go back to school, you, do, you figure That's three weeks. Summer is over. <sighs> I know, I know, but we was coming to a screeching halt. But we will see. We will see whether we're going to go back to school or not, and all of that stuff. Right. We shall see, because right. the COVID still is here. It is. The virus will tell us when it's done with us. That's it. It will tell us when it's done with us, and right now it loves us. <laughs> it ain't done with us. So y'all just might. Uh, by the way, Governor Dewine made. Uh, mass mandatory this afternoon in the state of Ohio. Okay, well, there it is. So there it are. <laughs> there it are, like you said. <laughs> there it are. Today, we talk about finding your roots, looking up your family tree. Now, knowing your family history is important because our family history tells us who we are where we came from, but also our history tells us about our ancestors 
and our family culture. And so knowing your family history shares light on why we do what we do, and it's in the genes. The science of studying one's family history is called genealogy, and in recent years, it has become very critical, not only for tracking our family, our family lineage, but it, is, it has become a necessary healthcare tool in managing individuals' health and well-being. And so many conditions and diseases have been discovered to be congenital, meaning that they pass from the mother or the father to child. And so tracking your family history means that healthcare providers can keep an eye out for these conditions during your health and wellness visits and may be able to help you to prevent or slow these conditions and diseases progress, their progress as you age. Every October since 2001, the United States celebrates National Family History Month to help promote the health awareness around finding your roots, your family health history as well. So let us make sure that we do not miss the opportunity and resources that can help all of us to trace our family line, including using DNA samples. And with the new and latest technology, we can now find out about our family health history so that you and your descendants will live with better health and well-being. And so today, joining us is Stacy Agger, a trustee for the Ohio Genealogical Society, a past president of the Society's Mahoning County chapter. And she has been recently added to the Mahoning Valley Historical Society's Board of Directors. She is a well-known local historian, and she has traced her ancestral history of her own family who has lived here in Youngstown, Ohio, dating all the way back to 1873. That's more than 147 years ago. Now, Miss Agar will discuss with us her history, but also give us tips on ways that we can, most especially as African Americans, how we can navigate through the many challenges of researching our ancestors. So what do you think, Dee? I'm excited. Yes. Wait. I know. You said you always talk about Mary and what she's doing, huh? Yeah, Mary's big time in it. And I do have watched from time to time Henry Louis Gates when he does the Finding Your Roots, which I find really interesting. And how he has the resources to dig up all that stuff. That's a lot of work. I know, and it takes money. People don't realize it still takes a lot of money. It does take money. I mean, like I said, you know, my girlfriend would fly out to Salt Lake City and spend a whole week out there okay. um, staying in hotels and stuff, going into those mines of the where they, they have a, all that census information and family genealogy stuff out there. Yeah, it can get to be very expensive. I know. But, you know, it is very necessary for us to, you know, know our family history. So... It's a good thing. It is. And not only that, our medical history. You yes. know, so many, in terms of trying to put demographics together and how um, hypertension and diabetes and all, that's one of the things that 23andMe is trying to do mm-hmm. when they always ask you when you do it to put your information in about your family history because they want to put everything into a pool, what that health is, 
Like if you're targeting a certain drug for a certain group of people, mm-hmm. then you might want to target this drug for cancer to a certain number to some to African Americans more than Caucasians, or high blood pressure medicine more to Caucasians than to African Americans. And that's why all that information is so important because today medicine is not cookie cutter. It's all all based on genetics. Genetics is the big thing. Like cancer today. A lot of that treatment is built is given based on your DNA. Mm. Yeah, so that's why all that family history thing is now so extremely important. This drug might not work for you, but it might work for somebody else of another ethnic origin. Right. So they call that personalized medicine. Is that what it is? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Wow. So we can't wait to definitely hear from um, Stacy. Yeah. Agar today. Make sure, folks, make sure you go and subscribe to this show. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and any other places that you listen to your podcast. Now, when you subscribe, you will be the first to know when we post a new show. You will also be able to keep up on what we are doing, and you will not miss out on all of the inspirational guests that are scheduled to come on our show and share with us their awesome stories and to give sound tips and advice to help us live the good life of health and wellness. So I want all of you guys, make sure you go and subscribe today. Now, I know that you have checked out our Vicky Doe Fitness Health and Wellness website. But while you are there, sign up. Sign up for our newsletter, um, our email list, to receive the updates about our new health wellness webinar trainings and online programs. And if you are not aware, we have transitioned some of our wellness programs to be conducted online. And so right now, we are showcasing our step-by-step weight loss boot camp masterclass online program and we are hosting health wellness webinars and workshops for you to participate in which it includes a Vicky Doe Fitness open house so that you can learn more about what we are doing online and so make sure guys make sure you sign up to our newsletter email list so that you will not miss out and what do we say thank you thank you Thank you for your support. We want to thank you for your support. Well, Dee, like I said, I'm enjoying this beautiful Ohio hot and humid days. Well, not really, but <laughs> that's better than cold, right? I know. I, saw you, I see you getting some work done on your house down there. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, we try to do a little something, something. Uh, I see. Mm-hmm. We always trying to take care of our lawn and our flowers and our. Do you have a garden? No, but I was thinking. I was oh. like, I have to get me a garden, you know, because everybody, you know, our friends and my my home girl, that's Dr. Prisby, that's in Texas. A shout out to Dr. Prisby, but she is oh. she's growing a garden and she she's getting stuff from her garden. It's so cool. Well, good for her. Yeah, and I see, I think your sister, doesn't she, doesn't she have a green thumb? Yeah, my sister, the, the, the 
good news about quarantine is that she and Bob are growing a garden. Well, you know, Bob is a farmer from Arkadelphia, Arkansas, so I know he was too happy to go out in the yard and start growing some plants. They've got everything. I was really impressed. I said, who knew Farmer Brown? I know, and you can see it. You can see it on, she posts a lot of the stuff on Facebook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I said, shoot, I got to come to her house. I know that's right. <laughs> I did plant some tomatoes. They haven't started to come up yet, probably not until August, but I did plant some tomatoes. They're getting bigger. I'm probably going to have to stake them pretty soon. Okay. So I have to figure out when I'm going to start doing a garden, you know, because that'll be, that'll be fun. You we know. have so many deer. The problem about a garden I know. outside is that you're dealing with deer and animals all the time around here. I know, and, and the deer, speaking of deers, when we first planted our, got our flowers all beautiful, I looked out uh -huh. the window, I looked out the window, I had a family just chewing down our, our stuff. I know, I know. <laughs> so, yeah. That's why you got to put all kinds of stuff around them, all the home remedies that people say you put around to keep deer away, because they will come and chomp, like I tried to do tulips, they come and dig them up and eat them. Yeah, oh, I know. I will be like Elmer Fudd looking for a rabbit. I'm going to be looking for a deer. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's okay. You know, it, it's good. I like to see people out there doing their gardening and me too. And and me keeping too. that's a that's a way of keeping healthy as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how was your week, Dee? Uh, my week was good. Last Sunday I went to uh, the Gervaisi's, and uh, it's, a, uh, it's a pavilion winery, a place you can stay, resort. Anyway, we social distanced and watched Bob James, who's a jazz musician, do a concert. It was very nice. Okay. Uh, they had tables instead of people sitting all next to each other. So you had a table of people that you knew. And that table was social distance away from a lot of other tables. So it was done very, very nice. They didn't have as many people as they had last year. The bad news is that as opposed to last year when he stayed and signed album, you know, um, CDs and stuff like that, milled with the people, they whisked him away in a, in a Cadillac because, oh, okay. you know, so he couldn't do that. over 80. Oh, okay. Get him out of there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. At least you got in the, the atmosphere, got out in this weather. Yeah. Yeah, it was very nice listening to some music. I've listened to him for many, many, many years, and he's always a good show when he comes. Yeah, and the musicians all had on masks. Okay. Everybody was trying to do their thing. Yeah, they all had masks on. Uh-huh. Okay, well, that sounds good. That sounds good. So what is going on this week? Sadly, everything. Sadly. I know, everything, right? Everything. Yeah. Well, Two great civil rights icons passed away. They transitioned. But this is what was interesting. They they passed on the same day. Isn't that something? They did. And they held announcing Lewis, Congressman Lewis, until the word on C.T. Vivian got out. Yep. So the, the representative, John Lewis, he was 80. And Reverend Cordy Tindall, we always called him C.T. Vivian. C.T. Mm-hmm. He was 95, and they both passed away on Sunday, July 19, in Atlanta, Georgia. And so, wow, he came out, the representative John Lewis came out, and they he talked about his pancreatic cancer. That was, what, just six months? It was. I was going to say, he, it 
was in December, and they showed a picture when he was doing that dance with Pharrell Williams. He had just come out with the diagnosis, and my heart just sank because, first of all, well, you kind of know the prognosis of pancreatic cancer, but then you look at people like our um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, notorious RBG, mm-hmm. and you look at Alex Trebek. Mm-hmm. They've been battling pancreatic cancer for a couple of years. You don't expect that someone's going to take that pathway that Congressman Lewis did with his stage for uh, pancreatic cancer. I know. But, yeah, so he transitioned on, and, you know, there was a lot of talk about it. You know, we could we could see it all of Monday, even though he died um, Sunday. But, yeah, that was on the news. And so what do you, what do you yeah. think about that, Dee? What do you say? Well, you know, I remember, you know, John Lewis and all those guys having grown up in the South. Not John Lewis, certainly not as much. Of course, I remember he was at the March on Washington. I fortunately had the opportunity to meet him. I was working on a project for Whitney Young, okay. some people out of California, and my assignment was to go and interview John Lewis and interview Robert Conyers. I couldn't get in to see. I went to the, I can't, can't remember the name of the building that they were in in Washington, the Rayburn building or one of them. And I got in to see, I couldn't get in to see Congressman Conyers, but the handlers for John Lewis, his assistance and what let me in, he was in a session in Congress, and I was sat in his office and waited. And he came in just as nice and as cordial as he wanted to be, sat down with me. We talked about Whitney Young because he was on that trip in Africa when Whitney Young died. Uh-huh. We talked about that. And then he was supposed to be going on a, leaving on an airplane to go to Atlanta to see his you know, people. And mm-hmm. the lady kept coming in saying, you know, Congressman Lewis, it's time to go. we got to go. And he goes, I'm not leaving until I finish with this young woman, one young lady's, uh, you know, what, whatever questions she has for me. Just the nicest guy. Oh, wow. And then he came here to Youngstown about four mm-hmm. or five years ago. Delata mm-hmm. Aslam was, you know, instrumental in getting him here. And, again, another fabulous speech. But a, a tree has fallen. And, you know, of course, we all know about the him walking over the Edmund Pettus Bridge in mm-hmm. 1965, Bloody Sunday, mm-hmm. where he almost died so that people could vote. A tree has fallen. Yes, yes, yes. And so at least, you know, when we think about it, at least he got a chance to see his dream of of um, Barack Obama becoming our first. He did. I'll never forget mm-hmm. that hug. Yeah. I'll never forget that hug the first yeah. African-American president. So he got a chance to yeah. see that. So that's pretty powerful. And, you know, the last picture I saw of him, like you said, he's been out and about. That's why it's like, wow, he was out and about just a right. few weeks ago because they showed a picture of him and him talking, giving his remarks when he walked over the street that they painted Black Lives Matter. I think that was what, Pennsylvania uh-huh. Avenue? Was it? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so he said something then. And so, yeah, he's gone. And that's something. Just gone. I mean, just gone. And he, he must have suffered in silence because you didn't hear. I saw one picture of him, like you said, it was the last picture. And you could tell he had lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he looked, he looked, you know, like something was going on. But I still didn't think because, you know, people look like that and then they bring back after they finish their chemotherapy and so forth and so on. So it never occurred to me that he would pass this fast. I know. He has had a 
legacy that goes on and on and on. He did. He did. On and on he and did. on. He did. And I'm hoping that we're all hoping that the name of the Edmund Pettus Bridge will be changed to the John Lewis Bridge. Yes, and I think they're uh, working on it. I, I would hope so. And I think a lot of other things are going to be named for Congressman Lewis because he was truly a gentle giant. Yes, he was. Hashtag, what they say, good trouble. <laughs> he was hashtag good trouble. Exactly. That's it. And the, and the movie, he was in that documentary that they're making. That's right. coming out soon, right? Yep. Yep, it is. And so, yeah, so the Reverend, the Reverend C.T. Vivian, he, he was um, a part of the early civil rights movement, too. You know, he was what they call a, yeah. a organizer and a field general for the Reverend um, he was. Dr. He Martin was Luther King. He was part of the SCLC group and was also, you know, with Martin Luther King. He was a, a person, again, with, you know, that whole movement of nonviolence on the front lines that was involved. He was arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm trying to think if he was arrested with John Lewis. At, at his yes, time, but, yes, you know, yes. He was, he was arrested. Mm-hmm. And, um, he I was think arrested. both at the same time. I think they both got arrested so. at the I, same I, time. I believe, I believe you're right. Yeah, I believe you're right. Mm-hmm. He was a member of Dr. King's inner circle along with Sh- Fred Shuttlesworth and Wyatt T. Walker. I think they're all dead. Ralph Abernathy. I think that was a... I put on Facebook today that had Lewis and I'm trying to think of who else, but they're all they're all gone. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all gone. Ralph David Abernathy. Mm-hmm. So he was the national director of some 85 local affiliate chapters of SCLC from 1963 to 66, directing protest activities and training in nonviolence, as well as coordinating voter registration and community development projects in Selma and Birmingham, St. Augustine, Florida, Jackson, Mississippi, and other segregated cities. Mr. Vivian led sit-ins at church counters, boycotts of businesses, and marches that continued for weeks or months, raising tensions that often led to mass arrests and harsh repressions, televised scenes of marches attacked by police and firefighters with cattle prods, snarling dogs, and fire hoses, and nightsticks shocked the conscience national conference legitimized the civil rights movement and led to the passage mm-hmm. of the civil rights act of 64 and the voting rights act of 65 and when you talk about history and president mm-hmm. you know i know lyndon baines johnson gets a lot of bad publicity but those people that are of my age baby boomers lyndon baines johnson signed that civil rights act of 1964 mm-hmm. and 65 so we have to give him a lot of credit for that you know he was a southerner but you know sometimes there were those who did the right thing right right and he he was one of those mm-hmm. and so you know Stacy and a lot of other people talk about Stacy from South Carolina, Abram. Okay, Stacy Abram, um, Stacy Abram, yes. You know, how uh, people die for people to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's down there in South Carolina, she knows. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, she can't understand why people don't want to, why it's so hard for young people to understand. These are the kind of people that, that whose shoulders that people are standing on that led the, the led the way for people to vote. It wasn't that easy. You know, it was just, shoot, it was just 100 years ago that women could vote. I know. Isn't that something? So, you know, I mean, there were some places in the South that would want you to, to recite the preamble to the Constitution or recite the first two, two or three amendments to people that couldn't even read. I know, so that you can... So, yeah, it's a, it's a privilege.
privilege that we have to be able to vote. Right. So, yeah. And so it is interesting how things are happening today, but hopefully we will learn and we will, how would I say, embrace but enhance our voting, meaning yeah. not, not only should we vote if that's what we choose to do, but we should vote and hold, like we said, hold the folks that we vote for. We got to hold their feet, like you said, to the fire to make sure right. that they accountable. Um, yes, that they do what we're asking them to do for us as citizens. So that's all I have to say right. about the voting. So, D, what are the royals? You know, you keep us up with the royals. <laughs> you know I'm a royal watcher. You know I'm a royal watcher. You and keep us up. so this past weekend, I'm only bringing this up because, mm -hmm. uh, well, first of all, Prince Andrew has yet to publicly comment on his friend, G. Philane Maxwell, whom they just arrested. Now, she was the girlfriend of this Jeffrey Epstein, who, who committed suicide, allegedly, mm -hmm. who was embroiled in trafficking minors to famous people. And she was accused of supplying some of the girls and sexual abuse of some of them and lying to investigators. And if convicted, she faces 35 years to prison. Some people said they wished her well, but whatever, we'll move on from that. I'll leave that right there. Right, but right. But the Queen's son, silence mm -hmm. on the matter, hasn't stopped the press from zeroing in on their friendship. The only reason I bring that up this, this week is that mm -hmm. Princess Beatrice just got married okay. to a very wealthy real estate Italian, and it was a very private wedding at Windsor where you and I and Natalie went for the other mm -hmm. wedding. Yes, yes, um, yes. But it was a very private wedding with Beatrice and her now husband, and Prince Andrew walked her down the aisle. Mm. And the only other people that were there were Queen Elizabeth and uh, Prince Philip. Now, of course, you know, there are those that would say that, you know, the wedding, of course, complied with all the rules of the U.K. in terms of social distancing and all of that. Mm -hmm. But everybody said it was all hush-hush because... Nobody wanted the focus to be on Prince Andrew. They didn't want the paparazzi to be out there, take it away from, you know, the daughter's mm -hmm. wedding. One daughter had already been, I don't know if you remember when Princess Eugenie got married. Mm -hmm. Her marriage was, uh, what do you call it, upstage because that's when Meghan Markle announced that she was pregnant. Right, so right, right. They didn't want both those girls to have their wedding sideswiped by some kind of issue. So mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. you have it. He, um... Okay. He hasn't come out with any, you know, he keeps denying all his affiliations with Epstein. And, and some, there is a young lady who is coming out and giving detailed testimony of what it was like to be with Prince Andrew and all of that. So, you know, as my, as my good friend Ellen Connolly, who's a, my cousin, says, in the court of law, there's her story, his story, and somewhere in between is the truth. And like our good friend, the renowned Wayne Smith, reminded me, there's two sides to a pancake. Yep. <laughs> yep. Two sides to a pancake. And Andrew has been stripped of any of his royal duties. So basically, and they got, and you know, the paparazzi was there. They got him as he, as he was trying to sneak out of the, uh, the, the wedding after that evening. Mm. So, you know, they're on him. <clears throat> this woman, Virginia Roberts Gouffre, alleges that she was trafficked to Prince Andrew and Mr. Maxwell's home. Okay. Uh, they have pictures, mm -hmm. which he says that, you know, they're all doctored and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. You know, you just, 
I don't know. So what does Maxwell's case mean for mm-hmm. Prince Andrew? I, I don't know. We'll have to see. My thing is, mm-hmm. you better put a bunch of bodyguards around her. A big time, right? Because she has a lot of information that I understand a lot of people are going to go down for. It, here's another one. The Telegraph published photos taken in 2002 mm-hmm. of G. from Maxwell and Kevin Spacey. Now, you know, he's gone. He, he left unceremoniously on charges of abuse mm-hmm. uh, with a young man. Mm-hmm. Sitting on the thrones in Buckingham Palace, these red chairs belonged to the Queen and Duke of Edinburgh and were used during the Queen's coronation. Further publication, Maxwell and Spacey were invited into the throne room on a private tour of the palace organized by the Duke of York, a close friend of Miss Maxwell's. Mm. Maxwell was reportedly at the palace the day that, that day as Andrew's guest. And Spacey was there with former President Bill Clinton. So, oh, what tangled webs we weave. Yeah, I said. Stay tuned. Stay, <laughs> Stay, Stay tuned. tuned. That's exactly it. I'm just going to leave it right there. Leave it right there. So, D, tell us the latest, you know, about oh, what's about happening. Two, they're working on two or three vaccines. I believe they're coming out of Oxford, England, looking at. I won't say all three of them, but at least there's one coming out of Oxford, England. There are two others that are on the horizon looking at vaccine possibilities for the novel COVID-19. A friend of mine, I can't remember who I was talking to yesterday, uh, both his parents are in clinical trials over here. Okay, okay. Uh, the Cleveland Clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, so good. No side effects, nothing but a little bit of a headache. So clinical trials are already being started over here, and I just got notified also that I think clinical trials are going to be starting at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Okay. So there are some possibilities on Horizon. Sanjay Gupta was talking about them. Okay. And that the only thing that you have to watch out for other than are they going to confer immunity and then for how long, but making sure they have a safety side effect profile. Okay. You just have to watch and see when that when that's going to come out. But yeah, there's some um, some promising vaccines that are on the horizon. All right, and we will def- not not from Clorox and uh, <laughs> what was uh, the 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 UV light, the UV light. Not to Clorox <laughs> or some UV light shot. Yes. Okay? Um, probably not. Ah, uh, no. Probably not. We will definitely wait on that news, but in the meantime got to put your mask on get your hand sanitizers and here's yeah. the thing here's the p- thing i always tell people don't forget soap and water that kills a lot of stuff now soap and water i, I, I keep telling people they discovered that in 1847 <laughs> 1847 that soap and water worked we're now in 2020 help me understand what part of that people still don't understand i don't get it they don't understand. Wash your hands. It's still decent. Still good. Still stands the test of time. Some soap and some water. Soap and water. So there it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe. Consulting Co. doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. 
We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about finding your roots, looking up your family tree. Now, knowing your family history is important because our family history tells us who we are, where we came from, but also our history tells us about our ancestors and our family culture. It is also critical that we search and know our family history because many conditions and diseases have been discovered to be congenital, meaning that they pass from mother or father to child. And so tracking your family history means that you and medical health care providers can keep an eye out for those conditions and physicians can maybe help you to be able to prevent or slow the diseases, the process as you age gracefully. And so we have joining us Stacy Agger, a trustee for the Ohio Genealogical Society and a well-known local historian here, right here in the Mahoney Valley. And she will discuss her unique family ancestral history here in Youngstown, Ohio, dating back to 1873, more than 147 years ago. She will also give us advice on how we can trace our family roots, most especially as African Americans. So let's listen to our interview with Miss Stacy Agger. Here with us today is Stacy Agger, a trustee of the Ohio Genealogical um, Society and a past president of the Society's Mahoning County Chapter. She is a well-known local historian who has a passion for genealogy and finding our roots. Now, she has even traced and shared the ancestral history of her own family, who has lived in Youngstown, Ohio, dating back to 1873, and that's more than 147 years ago. In addition, Stacy has recently been added to the Mahoning Valley Historical Society's Board of Directors. She will serve out the remaining term of former board member Eugenia Atkinson. 
Stacey Agar will discuss the importance of finding our individual and family's ancestral history and will give advice on ways African-Americans can navigate through the challenges of researching our ancestors. She will also share with us the history of the African-American migration that took place right here in Northeast Ohio. So how are you today, Stacy? <laughs> I am just so excited. Um, for those listeners who don't know, we originally discussed this pre-COVID. So it's been a minute, but we finally got together and I'm excited and looking forward to today's conversation. Absolutely. We're really happy to have you. Yes, indeed. So, so yes, we've heard about you, Stacy. You are the guru, right? You have the passion for genealogy and finding your roots. And during what time, though, in your life did this interest begin? And how did you become interest, interested in the field of genealogy? Well, I stumbled into it naturally. I grew up in Third Baptist Church, and I was always raised knowing that I was the great-great-grandchild of the Reverend Pleasant Tucker, who founded Third Baptist in 1874. So as a result, I had truckloads of family members that were involved in the church uh, between those that were direct family um, and then those that were married in. So the deacons, the, the trustees' wives, and all of that. A lot of those were by family, and they got started, you know, here after they left Virginia, and they came to the Youngstown area, and the church got started. My family, that was the main impetus, but one of the things that as I grew up and got older, it became apparent that the women on my mother's side of the family were always appeared to be dying of stomach-related issues. Okay. Um, so I had to do some digging because I'm the eldest of four girls, and I wanted to know what we could do to try and address whatever we needed to to focus and try and prevent those issues. And we found out that you know it was stomach cancer. Then one was possibly a rupture following a surgical procedure, and then there was another one of questionable circumstances. So it's good to do the research so you know what you're actually dealing with. Yes, they were stomach-related issues, but it wasn't like the same thing. But we did have a great-great-grandmother that died of uterine cancer, so we already know that going in. You became interested because of health issues in your family, so you wanted to research, huh? Correct. And one of the very tests uh, that I took DNA-wise was 23andMe, because at the time they had just started, and they were touting the fact that they were doing more medically-based DNA research in addition to helping you find your ancestral root. And I was, at the time, like I said, more interested in the medical aspect of it because of that oral history. And I was able to actually print off my results and hand them to my doctor and say, look, okay, this is my family, so you got to help me. <laughs> we oh, wow. What did your doctor say? What, what did your doctor say? He was floored because he had never had anybody hand him a medical chart based on, you know, family history and family DNA. So that uh -huh. took him aback. He studied it for a little bit, and, you know, we're, we're good. We're good. And he uses that in regards to me and my sister. Uh, well, actually, when she was one of his patients. But I've also taken her information and given it to her family physician as well. Yeah, we try and share that information so that 
hopefully we're sharing something that's useful that the doctor can use to better help guide us in our health efforts in trying to maintain our health. Well, since you brought up Stacy 23 and me, one of the questions that I had for you was, as you see it, the difference between Ancestry.com and 23andMe. So is that is it the medical aspects that you get with the 23andMe that you don't get with the Ancestry? Because I've not done Ancestry, so enlighten me. Actually, there are a group of 10, 10 larger DNA testing companies, and some of them offer different aspects. Some of them focus on health, others don't. When Ancestry.com started, they were more interested in the genetic DNA family tracing aspect. 23andMe came out and said, hey, look, we're going to do this about health care. And now I see that Ancestry has a health care component to it. Um, I do believe MyHeritage, which is another major DNA testing site, um, and Living DNA is another company. They have that too. So it varies. You have to find the test that's right for you. Most of them are autosomal, which means saliva. You spit in a tube. The biggest misconception I find is people are under the impression that they have to draw their own blood and send it off, and you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that at all. It's a simple saliva test. Well, is it worth the investment, or, or are there other less costly ways to trace your roots? I did 23andMe and, and Ancestry, but, you know, some people say that it costs a little bit too much. What do you think? It depends on how much you want to invest in it. There are ways you can go the old-fashioned way and do the paperwork aspect of it and then maybe link up with a cousin or two who might have ancestry. One of the things that a lot of people may not realize is your public library has, I don't want to be general, but your library, public library may have the library version of Ancestry.com online. So there are some things you can do with that, but I don't think you could go into the whole DNA aspect of your results. But if you hook up with a family member or something that may have ancestry or you help pay, you know, their bill, they'll be willing to share information with you. I have found that the DNA aspect of it has just been instrumental. I've been researching my family for over, for nearly 20 years. Mm. And just this, what, the weekend of July 10th, Uh we had a virtual Miller family reunion, my Miller Miller and Staggers family, and they were from Williamsburg, South Carolina. They were enslaved, and trying to find documents on enslaved persons prior to 1870 is difficult. You have to look in property records. You have to look in wills and estates and all of that other stuff. So it was just fascinating because we, me and several of the other younger generation, we actually started hooking up because of our DNA results. We were like, well, how are you related? Who do you have in your family tree? Oh, you've got a Miller? Okay, well, I've got a Miller. And see, I was hung up because my three times great-grandmother, her name kept changing because you had to deal with the issue of literacy. Her name was supposedly Satira. Then it became Tyra. Then it became Tina, T-E-N-A, which is a completely different spelling. And then she decided she liked the name Clara towards the end of her life. So mm. you're researching a female with four separate first names, supposedly. 
but we were able to do all of that, get all of that together, reconnect, and we held a virtual family reunion because the one that was supposed to be in Charleston got canceled. And it was just a blast. Vicki, I think, knows that just before this call, I had an hour-long conversation with mm-hmm. one of the elders in my family and found out so much information that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go forward and go and do what we need to do to continue researching that line of the family. It's very humbling because as I'm sitting here talking to you, uh-huh. I'm still trying to process that I know the name of the person that owned my three times great grandmother. And that's, that's really jarring. Yes, but it you is. you know that your family member was property of somebody, but to actually hear a name, it's like, wow. Oh, I know. Wow. Why don't you define for folks, you know, about the Ohio Genealogical um, Society and does it help? I know you are a part of this society. So how does it help um, folks with finding their roots? The Ohio Genealogical Society is our office, our main research library is in Belleville, Ohio, which is just north of Columbus. But I like to say start locally. You have a wealth of information and knowledge in your ancestors and your family members that are around you. Talk to your mother, talk to your father, talk to your grandparents if you have them still with you, aunts, uncles, anyone there. I look at living ancestors as trees because you get the information you can from them because once you lose them, Mm. it's like a book being burned, a tree falling in the forest, you lose that information. So if Even if you don't think you might be interested in tracing your family history down the road, it becomes important to talk and try and collect as many memories from those that are still living as possible. Then you go to the records and the research and everything. Mahoning County, and I'm, I'm a trustee for OGS in the five county area. So my area is Ashtabula, Trumbull, Columbiana, Portage, and Summit. Okay. So that's quite an area. Yes. <laughs> Between work, I try to get to as many of their meetings as possible, but, you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes I miss. But each of those mm-hmm. chapters have very strong people in it that will help you with your research. And we are blessed here locally because in Trumbull County, you have Elizabeth Glasgow, and in Mahoning County, you have Tim Seaman. And they are research librarians at the main branch of the public library. So Elizabeth is at the Warren branch in downtown Warren, and Tim is at the main branch in downtown Youngstown. However, because of the construction, they are being moved to, he's being moved to the Struthers branch. And so we're mm-hmm. still not certain of the time frame when that will start. But the volunteers and the chapters and those research librarians from the libraries are willing to come and talk to groups and help you get started to do the how-tos. We also offer programs on how to get started, how to start researching and everything. So it's not like you have to go straight to Belleville, Ohio. Uh, Belleville, Mm -hmm. a high-tech, a lot of computers and information that's there. You've got yearbooks from across the state and, in some cases, various parts of the country. You have um, state-of-the-art computers with online access to Ancestry, MyHeritage, and several of the other genealogy sites. Different research sites as well are built into their computers that 
if you are a member or if you pay a minimal fee to come in, you can access that to do research. We also have uh, family histories down there of various families and um, then also books dealing with the histories of those particular counties and cities across the state and across the the various regions of uh, the northern tier of Ohio. Ohio was considered a gateway. Okay. So anything from the East Coast to going towards the West Coast, we may have resources there because that was this was migration route. Mm. The families traveled. Okay. Hmm. Wow, this is well, interesting. Well, I have a good girlfriend who... Um, <laughs> She lives in Florida now, but for many years, she would go to Salt Lake City. What's that about? Oh, my goodness. That is Family Search. Family Search is a large uh, entity. It is a research facility. They do presentations and whatnot, but they also have a wealth of information. Years ago, they used to have microfilm that you could go in and look at in Salt Lake but at the different research libraries. And that's changed a little bit because now they have traveled across the country digitizing as many records as they can. Um, I want to say about two years ago, I had a volunteer from FamilySearch here that was digitizing records in Mahoning County. And I know Trumbull County was done as well. And what they do is the death records, some of the estate, estate papers, some of the other information, they digitize marriage, marriage, that was the main thing, the marriage licenses. They will digitize that and put that online. Um, because it has not been indexed, there is a lot that you have to sort of wade through okay. because they are digitizing quickly, but they're not able to uh, index it to make it easier to access. One of the things, if you have ancestors that came from the South, the Southern Tier states, you have the Freeman Bureau records, which are also available on FamilySearch.org, and those you can access through that as well. And it gives you, if you can find your family members, if they were involved in that whole Freeman Bureau issue with uh, being tenant, tenant farmers on the property of their former enslavers, you might be able to find information on them that way. So there's a wealth um, of information. Elaborate a little bit more on that. You, the Freeman's Bureau, is that what you said, Stacy? Yes, it's called the Freeman's Bureau. There is an actual site for that, but you can access it through Family Search. It's a new international African-American museum that's being built in Charleston at, at the old site of Gadsden's Wharf, which was a mm -hmm. major area where enslaved persons were brought to this country. They would get uh -huh. off the boat at Gadsden's Wharf, and that's the significance of having the International Museum right there because that was where our ancestors, in some cases, first foot on American soil. Um, they are doing a lot of records and digitizing and putting things up. Now, even though they're not open, they have started that whole education component uh, Tony Carrier and Robin Foster have been key in that. And Michael Bulware has been leading the charge, and he's not the executive director anymore, but he's still involved. And there's just so many fantastic people that are working to make this museum not only a museum where you can go and look and reflect, but also where you can get information and you can learn and you can understand 
the journey from Africa to the United States or to the Americas at the time. Listen, you have, I, I'm sitting up here going, hmm, I know nothing about my stuff. I, I thought I knew stuff. I guess not. Me and my daughter, we started a little bit of that. We found through Ancestry.com um, mm -hmm. the census records. Now, yeah. in North Carolina, the census records didn't go beyond, for us, 1880, but it was just kind of interesting how, you know, those census records were pretty were pretty accurate, although sometimes they were in, in you know, doing the census of African Americans because there were people of mixed ancestry. People would come to, from what I understand, the census takers would come to the door, and if you look like whatever, you they put you down. You know, did you find reading that that was sometimes an issue when, you know, they were trying to figure out demographics of people during, during those days? The 1870 census is the first census where African Americans who had been enslaved were listed as oh, wow. people with names. So you should be able to go back another 10 years to 1870 oh, okay. if your ancestors were in North Carolina. But you also have to keep in mind, too, that the territorial boundaries uh, shifted. So if they're not in North Carolina, are they in South Carolina? Or are they in Virginia? Okay. Okay. Because that's another thing, because those boundaries change. So you have to, you have to be cognizant of where the states were when the state started and what the boundary lines were to determine where your ancestors were. And that were actually mm. counted in this in the census records for seventy. But the big problem is is we are usually tick marks. We are not listed by name. And then actually you sit and you think about it, I hear I am going crazy because I have the name of Lena Miller as my three times great grandmother, but you and I both know that was not her name. Mm -mm. I mean, she right. was born that way. That was the name she was given at birth, but uh -huh. that's not who she is. So you have to keep going and try and go back as far as you can with paper records and digital records. And that is where the DNA comes in because you get to connect um, huh. and try and figure out the commonalities that you have and maybe be able to take it a little farther. Uh, the folks that have actually been able to trace their history back to Africa and have gone to Africa, one day I want to grow up and be just like them. I haven't made it yet. <laughs> My ancestral roots start down in Georgia. So, yeah, like I said, I did the 23andMe, but that was more for, you know, medical and DNA. I did a little bit of Ancestry.com, um, but now that you have gone through some of the information and some of the resources that we can go to, um, to, to go deeper. I'm getting excited. I might have to, that might have to be my project. Well, Stacey, I have to tell you a little, a little aside. My daughter's really, really into this. I mean, really into this. And so I told her when she started her, her quest for finding her roots and this, that, and the other. One other thing, this is an aside, I found that cemeteries have been helpful, too, in finding roots with my family down in, in the South. But um, I told my daughter, now, you know, you're going to be digging up some skeletons, so <laughs> when you start digging up your roots, make sure that you're prepared to dig up some skeletons. And she found some skeletons, and I said, well, I told you, you know, when you start digging into your ancestry, there's all kinds of people. Don't you find that to be the case? Oh, most definitely. And then I still run into, because some of my ancestors are from the Carolinas and whatnot, you have 
that the whole era, that whole issue of slavery mm-hmm. uh, and that enslavement, that was so painful to a lot of people that they simply do not talk about it. Um, exactly. One of, my, one of my biggest things is trying my three times, my two times great grandfather, Pinckney Adger, was buried in South Carolina. And to this day, since all of his grandchildren have passed, yes, all of his grandchildren have passed. Mm-hmm. Now I'm dealing with the younger ones. And so far, I have not found a person that can say, this is where he is buried. And that, right. you know, it, 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 it hurts because you can't pinpoint and everything. But, yes, you will dig up skeletons. And you just have to be Mom- prepared for what that my, would be. My mother's 102, and she mm-hmm. said her mother was born in um, 1870, that, and there were nine children, that her mother refused and father refused to talk about slavery because they didn't want them to know how bad it was. And see, those are issues that we really need to learn now because our kids and our subsequent generations I don't think they have a true understanding for what our ancestors went through. I remember seeing Pinckney Adger, my the great great grandfather, was talking about his name on the 1867 uh, Calhoun District, South Carolina voting record. That was the first vote that free blacks that blacks could do after slavery. You did not get a yay congratulation you voted sticker. You met. You were more than likely met with resistance from exactly. who did not want you to be there voting anyway. Mm-hmm. The physical dangers that some of our ancestors went through just to vote should make it right. to the point where, you know, with with John Lewis and Reverend Vivian. I Jackson, was just getting ready to say the same thing. I was just we, getting ready to say the same thing. Right. We have we have those type of people that stood and fought so that they could vote. So we should not be taking it so cavalierly. I am blessed because, like I said, my mother's side of the family, I knew that they were from Third Baptist Church. Part of my father's side were Briggs versus Elliott, which was one of the cases that was one of the five cases involved in the Brown versus Board of Topeka, Kansas. Mm. Oh, wow. So I've got a family history on both sides that just, you know, I'm lucky. And then that brings up another thing. You can find articles in some of the newspaper services. Um, there are archival newspaper services that you can access to for free or for a fee. There's a fantastic group called Random Acts of Genealogical Kindness. It used to be a site, but now it's more online on Facebook, where if you're looking for an obituary, as long as you know what you're looking for, an approximate date, and where at, you might be able to access that and ask, hey, does anybody have a newspaper service that covers this particular area? Because I have an ancestor that died there. This is their name. This is about when they died. And I'm trying to find an obituary. I'm trying to find any information you have on them okay. from that area. And you would be surprised at some of the things that you can find and you can come up with. Um, I, I've got terrific stories of Reverend Tucker on my mother's side, Third Baptist, him starting a church over in Butler, Pennsylvania. And he came back one day, and the minister, I don't know what the reverend was doing at the time, but Reverend Tucker didn't like the sermon. So they, they and it was a knockdown drag out in the pulpit. Mm. I mean, really? <laughs> really? In the church? Come on. <laughs> and it was the church he started. 
But, I mean, you get to learn so much about your ancestors by doing the history and hopefully finding those little tidbits of articles and everything. And in The Vindicator, over the years, it, it changed. You had the Loyal Legion of Labor. You had the colored news notes. You had the local news notes for colored folks. Then you have Burns Harvey column and everything. So there were specific areas that you could look for to find information on African Americans here in this area. Same thing with a lot of the papers. They had little columns. And then the Freeman, let me see, is it the Afro American and the Freeman newspapers? The Freeman is out of Indianapolis, Indiana. They specialize in African American news. But they would get stories sent from Youngstown, or they would get a column of information from Youngstown or from um, any place where that paper was distributed so that people from home, where they originally came from, could try and keep tabs on their family. So wow. there's just a wealth of information that's out there. And then also, I don't want to make everybody feel that everybody was enslaved, because you had free people of color who you could actually look at on the census and find them prior to 1870 with their names and their list of colored mulatto and whatnot. Oh, okay. Well, that was the thing in my family that I was going to ask you. My great-grandmother came over as an indentured servant. She married a mulatto, as they call him. Man, are there any indentured servant records that you can find of people that came in on ships? Where would you start looking for that? You would have to look at, start with where they came in and okay. check census records there, and then also uh, ship manifests, okay. because depending on how they came in, if they came in as a, quote, whole person, or if they came in as steerage. I mean, there's a whole oh, bunch of different things you have to wow. look at. Yeah. You will not find them on the roster for Ellis Island. That, that didn't happen for us. Uh, so no. It, yeah, it makes it uh, no. so much difficult, much much more difficult. But I mean, the challenge is in finding because our ancestors are calling. They want to be found. They want to be found. Yeah. Okay. Wow. This is a lot of information that you're giving this to us, Stacy. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yes. 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 You know, with all your research. Did you find some surprises and so forth? It seemed you, you're telling us a lot of surprises, but can you go deeper on some surprises with your own, you know, family ancestry? Well, like I said, just literally just before this taping, mm -hmm. I found out, you know, the name of who owned my three times great grandmother. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I know that, let me see, who else? Briggs versus Elliot. Reverend Tucker had several set twos with the mayor in the city of Youngstown at the time over the removal of outhouse waste. Because in addition to his job as a minister, he had to do other things to support his family. So there was always this big set to because at one point he had a contract and, and then it was given to a white gentleman who was a friend of the mayor whose bid was higher, but he still got it. So there was one time, there's a gentleman by the name, they called him Senator Cheney. And I want to say it was James Cheney who was part of the USCT. And he is buried at Oak Hill Cemetery. Reverend Tucker is sitting on the, on the podium with the rest of the ministers during this man's funeral. And the city health police came and arrested him during, <laughs> during the funeral. <laughs> And wow. Yeah, and I I've, I've got that story because I found it in the newspaper. 
same thing with his mother. There was a crazy story. And sometimes when you look at something in the newspaper and you say, oh, I'm not going to look at that. That just sounds too crazy. But you, you, you never know. Um, I looked at a paper. The heading was colored woman jilted by her husband for her niece or something like that. And I'm like, oh, what is that craziness? I'm not going to look at that. That was 18, 1889, 1890. And wow. I had gone a few page past past that article, something said, go back to it. So I go back to it, and buried in that article, I will be doggone if I didn't see the line, Mrs. Hannah Morris, who, by the way, is the mother of the Reverend Pleasant Tucker. That uh-huh. was my, my introduction to my New Times great-grandmother on my Tucker side. Oh, mm. okay. I, I mean, you just, it, it's just weird, some of the things you find when you're not really looking for them. <laughs> And even when you are. Okay, well, it seems like you, you get excited. I can just feel that passion in your voice when you talk about all your findings. So I'm going to have to, you know, I thought I was doing a little something, something. I ain't doing nothing. I got to go deeper, right, Dee? Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, Mary, my daughter Mary has, has done a whole, you know, timeline and all that. She's gone. The other the other good thing, the other thing that I might add to um, Stacey is that my daughter found out that the military kept extremely good records and yes, she even found that some of our relatives served in world war one yeah um, and then from there she was able to trace like his mother or their mother and trace back stuff like that from military records because they did keep you know pretty good records i tell you what the one and it's not my direct adger line but there was a there was an adger line that the the woman uh I guess an indentured servant up in New York, she and two other female mulattoes or or blacks traveled down to South Carolina. I don't know what for. They became enslaved because this is after Mm -hmm. the 1809 importation of slaves when they weren't supposed Mm -hmm. to be bringing slaves in to the country, Mm -hmm. even though they were still doing the roundabout. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And she became enslaved, became impregnated by one of the adgers and had her family there. Well, when the owner died, they actually sold the family. And I want to say it was the Quakers, the Friends, or another group helped put that family together. And prior to the Civil War, they were transported up to Philadelphia by 1848 which was years before the Civil War started. And that family is just fascinating. They became abolitionists. They became educators mm-hmm. and physicians and everything. Robert Mara Adger has, is, was a, considered a bibliophile, so I want to say it might be Emory or one of the universities there has his records of all the books that he kept. Um, but what was so cool is I found a story in a newspaper that was written by, they called him Uncle Billy, and it was a gentleman who wrote a column in the African-American, in one of the newspapers there. And he mm-hmm. outlined how there was a runaway slave that had been transported to Canada, decided mm-hmm. that he was going to come down to Philadelphia one day, and as luck would have it, a friend of his owner spotted him and just looked at him like, I know you, we're going to take you back. He ran and ran to this woman's house, Mrs. Miller's house, Mrs. Miller dressed him as a woman and brought him to Robert Adger, senior. Uh, and from uh, there, they went to, oh, my goodness, I knew I was going to blank on his name, and it'll come to me. 
but he was the president of the Anti-Slavery Society in Philadelphia at the time. And from there, it went to William Still. So I've got, I've got information on this. And then, then they managed to get that former runaway back up to Canada. That particular family was instrumental in the start of the Pennsylvania U.S. color troops because they did yeah. a lot of the work on getting started. There was a call to arms when the Union, when the Confederate troops started moving towards Harrisburg. There was a group of students from the Institute of Colored Youth, which was Cheney University, later became Cheney University. They went to defend the Harrisburg, but they were sent back because they were black. There was no USCT, and they couldn't carry arms. So yeah, that's that true. was the whole impetus. Frederick Douglass spoke, Emma Dixon spoke, and several others, and they got the USCT in Pennsylvania started. One of the sons was actually a landsman, which was like a body servant to somebody in the Navy. And he ended up contracting a, a disease and died. But his his pension record, that was that's where I was going. Pension records, uh-huh. like military records, pension records are fantastic. Civil War pension records, they are worth their weight in gold. It may be $70, $80, $90, to get, but if you have an ancestor that was in the Civil War, uh, especially USCT, you would, it would behoove you to get their record because in this record, it outlined um, just everything about the family's involvement, starting the USCT, about the son's death, because the whole thing was originally because the mother was trying to get her son's survivor's pension but it goes mm-hmm. into all the details about the kids and the family what they were involved in um there was one reference to robert mara the son meeting with john or it being in the room with john brown the night before he left for harper's ferry you can't get that type of information i know random and then um i found out that william still was one of the pallbearers at robert senior's funeral um, oh, so okay. you know he was all up in that. <laughs> oh, big I mean, time. Yeah, I got William still putting me in the ground. I'm like, good Lord. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's just the more you look, the more you can possibly find. I'm just lucky because I have family members who did quirky things that ended up in the newspaper. I And I'm realistic. A lot of it is going to be harder for a lot of people who had, quote, normal family members. Okay. <laughs> but don't get discouraged because that means you can still dig and you can still find out information. Okay. Well, in closing, then we've we've enjoyed you so much, Stacy. And in closing, what what type of tips? What important tips would you give folks when searching for their ancestry, their ancestral history, especially for us in our you know the African American community? Be patient because it's going to take some time. Um, be willing to do the work that it takes. The one thing that I, just drives me crazy, you will find a lot of trees that people have put up on Ancestry and some other sites. Do your own research. Um, I call some of those trees cootie trees, only because the information <laughs> in there. Girl, please. I've got, some, I've got one tree with a family member that we're still squabbling with because she's got my great-great-grandfather's son and his wife as his parents that is biologically impossible mm. it doesn't work but she's adamant that she's correct and I, I more power to you but do your own work um 
ask questions. Like I said, it is important to get as much information as you can from those surviving members, and not only family information, but also medical information. I meant to tell you that the American Heart Association, when I was involved with them, mm-hmm. and it's still up, they have a family health tree. It's called My Family Health Tree. If you go to their site, it is specifically designed for you to jot down what medical issues your family members have so that you can chart and be aware of who died of what, who had what, what conditions does this person have, how is that going to impact me and my direct line. So that's very important because you're, you're doing that. If you get a chance to go to seminars and whatnot, you can do that. I, am, I have co-chaired the State Genealogy Conference twice. Uh, the one for next year we're supposed to be doing in Lewis Center, and and I'm co-chairing it along with Cheryl Abernathy, and hopefully we can do it. And it may or may not come off because of COVID, but um, those are tremendous opportunities to learn. Okay. And you're dealing with, in, you're sitting face to face with genealogists from all over the country that can help you with your research. But keep in mind, you've got. The library staff here, you've got volunteers from each of the different OGS chapters here in historical societies here. Um, and dealing with the historical society, they have lots of documentation and everything, too, here in Mahoney Valley and up at Trumbull County. So you've got a wealth of research. It's just getting started. But the main thing is to start with your immediate family and start going out and know that it's going to be a process because it's going to take some time. Okay. Well, what do you have to add to wow. that, D? You got something else to say, D? No, nothing. It's been great. Fascinating. Yes, it has. And how can folks connect with you, you know, and the Ohio Genealogical Society, especially the one, the, the chapter here in, in our area, Mahoney County? Okay. Mahoney County, we are on Facebook. It's a Mahoney County Genealogical Society. Trumbull County has a post office box, but they are also on Facebook as well. Let me see. You can find their information also at the main branches of the public library because we usually put newsletters at those branches. So up in Warren and up in in, uh, Youngstown, like I said, it's going to be in Struthers once they reopen. My email address, and you're more than welcome to email me, just put what the subject is so that I know what it is. My email address is the word essay. It's E-S-S-A-Y-1870 at gmail.com. And that's probably one of the easiest ways to reach me. My cell phone, it's on 247-330-518-1733. And I'm always happy to come and talk to volunteers. Judy Williams was just named one of the volunteers of the – she was named the Volunteer of the Year. Wow. from Mahoney County for the state, and then Lou Joseph was the officer of the year from the Mahoney County chapter. But we have some excellent people in all of the chapters who are willing to help people reconnect with their family. This has been awesome, and I thank you for coming and sharing with us and the audience your story. And like I said, uh, I got to dig a little deeper because... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you make sure you jot down my phone number. I will be more than happy to walk you through everything. Okay, I will appreciate that. And thanks so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this ends our show, D. So do you have some tips yes. that we should think about? 
Well, this was a fabulous uh, interview and conversation with Stacey Adger. She certainly did pique our interest in finding our roots. As you know, Mary started a little bit with that, and I know it sounded like you're getting ready to dig into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important, as I've said, from, a, from several standpoints. But number one, I think what she pointed out was that, you know, knowing your medical history, knowing what your ancestors had, diabetes, hypertension, and all those things that are going to help you and your children know what kind of diseases you're predisposed to. So it was, it was great. It was great. And so it, it's important that all of us really think about finding our roots so that, yeah, so that we can not only figure out why Uncle Dude looks that way. No. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Right. Exactly. Why he acts that way and looks that way. Why he's a little quirky. Yes. See, there's why reason. The uncle, why the uncle comes to the wedding and he's weird. Well, you'll know the background. See, you'll know the background. You'll know the family history and the family tree. You'll know that there's always one. <laughs> <laughs> it's also very interesting but it's also good to feel connected you know knowing how yeah. far back I'm just glad to know that even as African Americans you know with our history of slavery and all of that and migration they made a lot of the look like like she was saying that it's digital they're making they're trying to digitize a lot of yeah. the records yeah, that's good. and it makes it a little bit easier so that's good. That's good, yes, absolutely. So guys out there, let that be on our bucket list to really at least, even if we can't go way deep like Stacy has, at least start and find out a lot about your ancestral history. That's what I think. Absolutely. And to get help in finding your roots, you can get in touch with Stacy Agger at SA1870 at gmail.com that's s-a-e-s-s-a-y 1870 at gmail.com and as always for more information go to our website www.vickidofitness.com and remember if you have any questions comments or just something to say tweet us email us go on facebook and share with us your thoughts You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.